Okay, are we good? Are we good? All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Dagger Podcast. The family is here. Big Herm, oh, yeah. what's oh, up? Yeah. Yes, yes. The prodigy, you in the building. I'm in the building this time, man. I'm in the building. Hey, I like that, man. King Smiley here. Y'all welcome to the Dagger Podcast. We're just going to start y'all off. Follow us at the Dagger Podcast, Dagger Entertainment on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. And Email us at the Dagger Entertainment at Outlook.com. That's how we do it. All right, man. Not really any scores to report to y'all today, so we're just going to jump right into our first topic. Y'all, the NBA Awards concluded last night with James Harden taking home the MVP. How y'all feel about that? Man, to me, it was expected. I mean, I think he was going to win. It was either out of him or LeBron James. And I mean, to me, Harden had the edge. So I don't really think there's much you could say about it. I think it's well-deserved, long-time come. He went from being the sixth man of the year to MVP. It's, it's great to see. That's all I have to say. Oh, man. I look at it like this, man. LeBron easily takes home the playoffs MVP. Uh, but as far as their regular season, man, nobody performed and dominated the way that James Harden uh, performed and dominated. Exactly. Um, but but that's another stab in the ribs for uh, Oklahoma City. You know, they've now given away two MVPs, retained one, and also gave away what was named last night as the most improved player. Yep. Victor Oladipo. Victor Oladipo. My man had perhaps the most outstanding season Ever, um, especially after coming off of a 17-point-per-game season. And, ladies, excuse Mitchell, my man must be hungry. Is he sitting here eating this bowl of Fruit Loops? Y'all, shout out Kellogg's out there um, <laughs> with these Fruit Loops. Uh, so. Hey, man. Hey, man, we're not in the office today, so I'm just I'm casually going about <laughs> Yeah, y'all excuse that. I know we don't really uh, do it. Uh, the studio was really, you know, having some difficulties with plumbing and everything like that. So we had to do a remote show. I hope y'all don't mind. Um, but um, I'm going to keep it professional, man. I apologize. <laughs> but, yeah. Um, so Victor Oladipo taking home most improved. Was there any uh, any doubt that he would have been the most improved player, guys? Not really. I mean. Like, my, my man came up and was sent to a, a, a Pacers team that actually – that you thought wasn't going to do that well after losing Paul George. And he just – he took that and flipped it and just outshined almost everybody that could have even contended for most improved. Yeah, I mean – Nobody I, else would have had it. Yeah, I mean, yeah, all you heard about most improved was Victor Oladipo. I'm not even sure if I remember any of the other nominees. You guys remember the nominees? I, I don't. <laughs> I mean, so hey, he was a he was a runaway with that one. What about the rookie of the year debate, man? Ben Simmons taking it home. He's not a rookie. Hey, I got a problem. Yeah, I got a problem with him. Let's see. Uh, 
I agree. I agree. Y'all, y'all tell me one by one, Big Herm. We're gonna start with you. Tell tell me why you believe Ben Simmons should not have won rookie of the year. Because if you wanna if you wanna award this man rookie of the year after he was hurt after the season, that's just wrong, and that's that's a slap in the mouth to everybody, every rookie that got hurt before then and came back the next year balling. I mean, they deserve rookie of the year too, if you want to play it like that. But I think Donovan Mitchell should have had it in the bag or Jason Tatum. It, it had to been out of them too. Ben Simmons shouldn't even been in that category, but he did ball. So I guess sympathy award. If you want to go ahead. <laughs> the way I go about it is this. Is we all know nowadays most awards are popular opinion. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. So I feel like uh, the, the main reason he did win is because of popular opinion. Because I believe firmly that it should have went to Donovan Mitchell. Because that kid played spectacularly and consistently all season. Uh, that's true. I mean, Donovan Mitchell really just I, – I look at it like this. You know, when I think of a rookie of the year, I think of a, a player that impacted his team on a whole new level. Yes, Ben Simmons had a great season, but you kind of really got to give a lot of credit to the supporting cast of that 76ers team as well as Joel Embiid. Uh, you look at that Utah team, uh, a lot of things were said about that team when Ricky Rubio stepped in to be the starting point guard. And, you know, for them to draft Donovan Mitchell, Donovan Mitchell was not even slated to perform the way he did and to take them into the playoffs and perform as well as he did against Oklahoma City. And and not to mention he was the slam dunk uh, contest winner. Uh, I kind of think his resume was just a little too padded for him to be snubbed on rookie of the year. I I agree 100%, man. I feel like... That's just that was a huge slap in Donovan Mitchell's face, but I mean, yeah, we know in my mind, Donovan Mitchell was the rookie of the year. I mean, I know now that doesn't mean much, but I feel like he was the one more deserving person of it. But I mean, hey, beggars can't be choosers. It's popular opinion. That's just how it went. Ben Simmons, congratulations. But yeah. Uh, let's see. Uh, what other awards did we have? We also had the coach of the year, and there was no doubt in my mind that Dwayne Casey was going to win it. But now, if you're the Raptors, how do you feel knowing that you just let go and fire the coach of the year? <clears throat> Man, you you got to feel a little dumb because I honestly like like we talked about before. He was let go. Because of you know same situation, you made it. You make it to the first, second round of the playoffs, then you get booted. That's why they let him go. But at the same time, what were you doing before Dwayne Casey? Honestly, like where was your team sitting before Dwayne Casey? Look at and now the coach you just let go of, who somebody's gonna pick up, just won Coach of the Year, and now that's on his resume for the next team that he probably will take to beat the Raptors. We don't know that. He might go to a team that plays them two, three, four times a year. Well, it was already confirmed that Dwayne Casey is now the official head coach of the Detroit Pistons. Uh, in his speech last night after winning uh, Coach of the Year, he, he stated, and I quote, 
I want to be a part of an organization that appreciates the improvement that I will make with the team. And I, I feel like that was a direct shot at Toronto. Exactly. That was a huge shot at Toronto simply because simply because of how it went. Yeah. Ladies right. and gentlemen, uh, uh, sorry to cut you off, Mitchell. Big Herm uh, is having a family emergency, and he will not be able to finish this uh, episode with us today. So you got me and a prodigy here. We're going to keep making it interesting with you guys. Uh, but we got this. Yeah, yeah we, we will continue. And hats to Herm. Hope everything is fine over there. And we look forward to having him back on the next episode. All right, moving on with um, the awards from last night. Sixth man of the year, Lou Williams. Not really much to say there. Lou Williams just exploded on the scene at one point through a 15-game stretch, was averaging 32.5 points a game coming off the bench. Uh, Yes. Nothing can be said about him. Uh, There was no doubt in my mind that he was going to win sixth man. No, no, not really. Like, you look at it. And you're just like you, you look at Lou Williams and his production to the team, and you're just like, man, you, you already saw it coming at the middle of the season. This guy's going to win six man of the year. I don't see anybody else that could possibly take that from him. That is true. Uh, defensive player of the year went to Rudy Gobert of the Utah Jazz. That one was a toss up between him uh, and Anthony Davis as well as Joel Embiid. I didn't really know who was going to win it. But, I mean, Rudy Gobert, the stifle tower, nothing much to say there. That guy balled this season, and and he he was well-deserving of the defensive player of the year. Yeah, man, I I feel like in that situation, when you got three of those top guys, top defensive players, defensive stoppers pretty much at this point, you just got to look at it and be like, man, who I guess you have to – Literally look at stats. Who did the most? <laughs> because that's the only way out of those three that you can make the decision. And then, um, no, no doubt in my mind, Rockets um, GM winning uh, executive of the year. I mean, trading for Chris Paul and making your team the number one team in the NBA, not just your collective conference. Uh, that's that's just grounds for executive of the year. He deserved it. Um, Kudos to all those guys that won awards last night. Uh, But it's uh, a growing debate. Me personally, I feel like the awards should be held before the playoffs. Yep. I think we should uh, work to move that award uh, presentation back to before the playoffs. Uh, I don't understand why it was moved afterwards. But, hey, I'm not a part of the association, so I can't really make that call. I mean, it goes to it goes to show that they do focus on what somebody does in the playoffs as well, because for them to want it after the playoffs, just kind of use they use that as extra fuel to let's see who really deserves what awards. You know what I mean? Yes, sir. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, we do have. Uh, I want you guys to just know off the back, we have a huge NBA headline day today. So if we barely talk about any other sports today. Uh, it's because we have so much things going on in the NBA that we really need to talk about. Um, so we're going to move on to our next topic. Uh, there is growing optimism that Paul George will return to the Oklahoma City Thunder in a one-in-one deal. Um, 
does that hurt the chances that the Lakers land LeBron James Mitchell, or or is it just still up in the air? It it kind of hurts the chances, and I mean now, especially since we have this whole other he- headline with LeBron only wanting to talk to GMs and managers and stuff like that. You look at it as like, man, this guy has his mind pretty much already made up to either one team that he knows for sure he's going to go to, two teams or three teams, being one being staying at home in Cleveland. But this, if he has his mind made up, if people don't make moves and the right moves, then there's no pitches. And like, like I said, Houston has now made it clear that they're willing to go all in for LeBron, probably even further than Philadelphia would be. So now you're looking at it as as two different ways. And the Lakers, what what do they have to promise? Like, what can you give them? Like, hey, come play alongside uh, Lonzo Ball, Kyle Kuzma, uh, Brandon Ingram. And then what what more do you have after that? You can you will you be able to say come play alongside a Paul George, or will you not be able to say? Anything like that, where they just be like thrown up in the air and just blow up and smoke pretty much. And now we heard what Magic Johnson said pretty much. If if he can't do the make the free agent moves in these next two years, then he will step down. Yes, um, Paul George uh, returning to Oklahoma City. It seems more likely uh, than what a lot of people said before. Uh, I like the idea of him returning back. I think he saw potential in this Oklahoma City team. Uh, but, you know, first first year is always going to be difficult for a lot of teams trying to grow their rhythm. Uh, you look back at 20, uh, 2010 and the Miami Heat when they got their big three, uh, they made it to the finals but ultimately failed to pull it through against the Dallas Mavericks. And then that very next year they took it to the NBA Finals to – knock off the Oklahoma City Thunder in the uh, finals. So, yeah. I, mean, I, I look at it as, you know, that first year is always going to be rough. It's always going to be bitter uh, in a sense. That also, you look at Cleveland, uh, LeBron and Kevin Love, they go to Cleveland to play alongside Kyrie Irving. What happens? They make it to the finals only to fall to the Golden State Warriors. So, if you look at these teams, you're like, oh, well, you know, this Oklahoma City project just did not work. Uh, when, in fact, it actually did. If you can remember, there was a point in the season where the Thunder were on a nine-game winning streak. And exactly. They were at a plus-minus of 16 with Andre Roberson, Russell Westbrook, Paul George, Carmelo Anthony, and Steven Adams on the floor, which was tied get me tied for number two in the NBA in terms of lineups. Uh, the only lineup that was better than that was, of course, Oklahoma, I mean, Golden State with Kevin Durant, uh, Clay Thompson, Steph Curry, Draymond Green. So, of course. It's, it's, it's shown in the numbers that this team can be productive. Of course, that Andre Robeson injury really just took a devastating blow to the team. But, I mean, yeah. if you look at next season, they get Andre Robeson back. They already have Melo back. Russell Westbrook's going to be there. Steven Adams going to be there. All they're missing is Paul George. And then, boom, we have a second run at this. And you just got to hope that everyone stays healthy enough to compete. I will say this. 
with the team that OKC has right now, especially if Paul George stays, there's a finals in their future and possibly the near future because of the fact that they fizzled out this year and they played against a hungry Utah team that consisted of Donovan Mitchell, that consisted of Rudy Gobert, that consisted of a surprisingly tenacious defensive Ricky Rubio. So if you look at it this way, it's like they fizzled out at the wrong time because of that injury. But like you said, if they stay healthy and they have all their pieces going into the playoffs, I don't see why that team can't win the finals at all. Yes, sir. So I guess it's just a waiting game at this point. Remember, the free agency begins on July 1st. Uh, Can't wait to see what Paul George decides to do. Uh, Now, you mentioned it earlier, Magic Johnson saying that he will step down if they can't land big-name free agents. What kind of example does that set for the young guys on that Lakers team? Man, that, uh, I don't know, because you're looking at it this way, and, like, in a way, on one hand, it's like, man, this guy really wants to help us win, you know what I mean? He really wants to help us get somewhere, and on the other hand, it's like, Mm, this, will this guy really stick through? Will he actually try hard to get us the agents we need to get us the free agents we need, or will he just kind of sit there and do the same thing he's been doing? So it puts it puts pressure on Magic to make stuff happen, obviously. But it also it also reflects on some of the some of the guys there to maybe play better, you know, maybe get, get want people to come there. I kind of I look at it like this, you know, if I'm a young guy in my second or maybe third year uh, on a team and I hear my general manager say that I'm going to step down if I can't get any other talent here. I kind of look at it as a slap in the face. I mean, yes, I'm young. I I play for an underachieving Lakers team, but I kind of feel like my GM has given up on me. They don't believe that we on this team that's already here can blossom into superstars. Uh, I think he feels like we're all just role players. So if I'm Brandon Ingram, Alonzo Ball, Kyle Kuzma, I'm kind of looking like, okay, well, if you want to leave, leave before you get a free agent. Don't try to string us along. And I think that's ultimately going to cause a lot of problems in the front office as well as on the court for those Lakers if they can't land a big-name prospect like Kawhi Leonard or Paul George or uh, LeBron James. Shoot, even DeMar DeRozan is a possibility. If they can't land any of those guys, you kind of start to look like, okay, well, what's going to happen in uh, the Golden City uh, of L.A.? Are we going to move forward or are we just going to blow this thing up? Because, I mean, they have young pieces, but at that same instance, it's just, you know, I don't like the comment. Magic Johnson maybe should have kept that one to itself. Self, but, I mean, uh, I guess he was just being honest. Yeah, that's just him just saying what he really truly feels. He's like, hey, man, if I can't get guys here, I'm not going to I'm, I'm – I feel like I'm not doing enough. So I'm just going to step down and – give up the position and let somebody more qualified come in. But I agree with what you're saying. That also makes the kid, the guys feel the guys there feel like, Hey, this guy doesn't think we're going to make it. He doesn't think we can get, get him to a championship. He's got to bring in somebody else to be able to do it for him. And that, that I understand where you're coming from. That can be kind of a downer, but it might light a fire under some of them too. We never know. 
Yeah, I mean, if they are able to pull in a LeBron James or maybe convince Paul George to not give it another run with Oklahoma City, uh, you kind of stop to think, like, you know, with the rumors swirling that LeBron or Paul George are not looking to sign long-term, you kind of start to think, well, hey, what if we get these guys in this year and we don't go as deep in the playoffs as we plan to? And then they leave. What happens to us? That And that's one of those major ultimatums that you always, always have to look at. It's just like, okay, so they – we don't fulfill what we were supposed to. And now what? They're gone. They signed their one-year deal, now they're gone. Because, I mean, <laughs> this, this is a hard grind in the NBA. This is a – 82-game season, and if you're lucky enough to go uh, all the way to the NBA Finals, you're you're talking about possibly 100-plus games in a single season. And to put young guys, as well as veteran superstars like LeBron James and Paul George through uh, an unheralding, tormenting season like that, against especially in the west against a Houston Rockets team, a Golden State Warriors team, a Oklahoma City team. Shoot. Look at the Utah Jazz who surprised everyone and never count out the Spurs. You know, putting a team like that, imagine having to see possibly Oklahoma City in the first round, Houston in the second round, and then Golden State in the third round before making it to the finals. Can you imagine a physical and mental toll that that takes on those players? Like, that's – especially even after having to go through them during the season already as it is. And then you got to try to go seven games or four games or five or six games with them. Man, that's tough. (laughs) Exactly. So I think it's a – it's a tough pill to swallow, especially if you're Magic Johnson. You kind of got to look uh, realistically. Uh, you may not be able to get uh, LeBron this offseason or maybe not Kawhi Leonard uh, the next season, but there's always superstars that are going to be on free agency. Uh, you look at it like this. There are multiple superstars, not just those three. And three years down the line, who knows? Giannis Antetokounmpo could – decide that, hey, Milwaukee isn't the place I want to be. Let me take my talents to the Lakers, and then you've already stepped down, and now he wants to come over there, but you're not there anymore, so the Lakers can't even get him anymore. So that's always a possibility to think about uh, when you think about a situation like that. Uh, I really wish the Lakers the best of luck in this free agency, uh, but I guess the puzzles, puzzle pieces will fall. Yeah, the the for the puzzle pieces are just gonna have to fall into place, and it's just gonna have for the Lakers. It literally is just gonna have to be a wait and see type deal, honestly. Uh, and before we move on to the next topic, there was uh, swirling rumors uh, last night that the Lakers inquired with the Charlotte Hornets in a deal that would have sent Lonzo Ball and a future first-round pick to the Hornets in exchange for Kimball Walker. Uh, do you think that plays into the part of trying to recruit LeBron or Paul George to come over? Kind of, kind of, but not really. Because, I mean, if you look at it this way, uh, it, they, they, they mentioned it on one of 
ESPN's shows, which is First Take. Think about what um, and I'm sure you watch it. You love Stephen A. Yes, think, I do. Think about what Max Kellerman said. All right, and I and I quote this. He said, "Think about LeBron James. You're trying to recruit him to a team where a kid in Lonzo Ball doesn't even have a fixed shot yet. His shot's broken." But you expect LeBron James to come to a team with a player like that. And, you know, he was talking about how the the idea of shopping and sending off Lonzo Ball away and getting a better player for them. To me, because not only do you lose, not you, you lose Lonzo Ball, but you kind of lose a problem too. And that is his father. LeVar Ball, because as long wherever Lonzo goes, LeVar's mouth will be right there with him. And I'd be lying if I said that won't cause the Lakers problems, because it possibly will, because maybe they don't want to be all around all that noise, because you can say that it does hinder what you're trying to do throughout the year when you have all this noise going on. And then you also got to think about it this way. Like, I believe you mentioned it. You got a you got a guy in Lonzo who yeah he's been hitting the gym yeah he's doing all this but what's he doing in his offseason he's filming a Facebook series a Facebook series with his dad and that's precious time you could be using to spend in the gym now I understand your family's popular that makes sense do what you got to do you're your own person but at the same time you're trying to recruit these big names but yet they're gonna look at it and be like what's this kid doing he's doing a Facebook series he's not hitting the gym. He's not practicing that shot. He's not worried about winning championships. And that's what they look at. And that's just, it's business. That's just how that type of stuff goes. Yeah, that is it, true. Um, uh, I mean, it's it's a soft subject, uh, regardless of the matter. Um, I guess we'll just see what happens. I truly do expect Kimball Walker to be moved to L.A., Um so I guess it's just a wait-and-see game. I don't expect Kimball Walker to start next season in a Hornets jersey. Um, yeah. So I guess we'll see what happens. We're going to switch sports for just a quick second. We're going to talk about the NFL, uh, ladies and gentlemen. Um, Prodigy, Tony Romo stated that the Green Bay Packers are the team to beat this season he slates them as the favorites to win the Super Bowl. What do you say about that? I agree. I agree, not because it's Tony Romo and he's one of my favorite quarterbacks for the Dallas Cowboys of all time. I don't care what anybody says. <laughs> but because of the fact that, I mean, look at what you got. Look at what you're working with. You got a very, very, very hungry Aaron Rodgers coming back from injury who's been – probably itching for another Super Bowl since they last won it. You got a you got a, you got a solid solid secondary, man. <laughs> a solid secondary. You got one of the top 100 players in Ha Ha Clinton Dix. You just signed two really awesome cornerbacks. Your linebacker core is still solid, still has some years on it. And then your offense as long as as long as Aaron Rodgers is throwing the ball, you're going to have a powered offense as, as far as I can tell. So I feel like they are the team to beat. And I'm also very upset that they're on our schedule this year. He singled out uh, during his um, 
announcement that they struggled in the secondary as well as on the offensive line, but Green Bay spent a lot of money and time in recruiting players to come play for that offensive line. And in that secondary, like you said, that secondary looks mean, led by Ha Ha Clinton Dix. Um, and then that offensive line just looks brutal down there. Uh, but I think the biggest move of the offseason for the Packers would be the signing of tight end and former pro bowler Jimmy Graham, which was yep. Drew Brees' top target. Then he went to Seattle to play for Russell Wilson, and now he gets to play for A-Rod. What type of difference and, and impact is Jimmy Graham going to make on the field for Green Bay? I'll tell you right now, if the former Saints Jimmy Graham shows up, and you'll have to excuse the noise, they're cutting grass outside. If the former Saints Jimmy Graham shows up, man, it's going to be a problem. Because that former Jimmy Graham was not someone to take lightly. If he was coming down the middle of the field, if it was thrown his way, 90% 90% of the time, I'll even go as far as to say 99% of the time, he was catching that ball. So if it comes, and you got to remember, he's got one of the best quarterbacks in the league throwing that ball to him. Let's, so, let's look at it like this. If you look at a span of years, not including the rookie season of Jimmy Graham, let's look at his second year through his fifth year in the league with New Orleans. You got in 2011, he caught – 100 passes for 1,300 yards. Then, second season after, or the next season, 85 catches for 982 yards. Not far off, right? And you go Not far off. One more season, he has the exact same amount of catches, 85 catches, but 300 more yards, 1,215 yards. Then, the very next season. This this is just unsurmountable. Three straight seasons with the same exact number of catches. 2012, 85 catches. 2013, 85 catches. 2014, 85 catches. In 2014, he had 85 catches with 889 yards before, of course, being sidelined by injury in week 12 of the season. Prodigy, I think if he would have finished that season, we'd probably be calling Jimmy Graham the highest-paid tight end in the league right now. Do you agree? We definitely would be because if he would have finished off that season, he would have had the same amount of catches with close to, the, if not the same amount of yards as previous seasons. Yes, sir. That team, uh, that Saints team in 2014 was very dangerous. Of course, he spent the next three seasons, seasons I'm sorry, in Seattle which he was plagued by injury a lot in those three seasons in Seattle. In 2015, uh, he finished with 48 catches for 600 yards. Uh, 2016, 65 catches for 920 yards. And then 2017, this past season, 57 catches for 500 yards. I mean, at the end of the day, this man is averaging about 10 yards per catch. Um, exactly. And that's played with injury. So you can't even complain about those numbers. So, I mean, with, with A-Rod at the helm, uh, not to mention they don't have their deep shot Jordy Nelson anymore, but I could just picture a, a red zone situation, uh, third down in maybe six or seven.
uh, where A Rod guns it to Jimmy Graham and he just breaks uh, for a touchdown. So uh, I, I can see where Jimmy Graham is going to make an enormous impact in Green Bay. And not to mention, I personally cannot wait to see Jimmy Graham do the Lambeau leap. Oh, man, I can't wait to see that. And it sucks having to say that, but I can't wait to see that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it's, it's going to be an interesting season. Um, moving on, Jalen Ramsey stated that Jimmy Garoppolo does not belong in the top 100 players in the NFL. Uh, do you agree or disagree? Mm, man, man, that, I don't know, man. Because Jalen Ramsey said he didn't belong there because of scheme stuff. Uh, you know, look at it this way. Most top 100 players got, what, multiple seasons, multiple games. And Jimmy Garoppolo had just a few, just maybe about two handfuls of games under his belt. I mean, and what he did in those games, you know, they put him at the – lower tier toward further close to the hundred but I mean you look at you look at it and it's just like does he really does he really deserve to have that spot just yet you know maybe if you give him a a year and he shows that same consistency throughout a full season maybe he even goes higher on that list a top 100 as far as this year I don't think he I don't think he deserved to be there just yet not that I think he's going to do bad but just because the size of the sample that we have hasn't been big enough to be on that list. And you're absolutely right. Six and O in his time as a starting quarterback for the 49ers, um, which was tremendous nonetheless. But, you know, when you're a 49ers team that was out of playoff contention, a lot of defenses don't really take you serious. Uh, so exactly. uh, I'm not going to say that he was – uh, a bust or anything like that. I'm just going to say that he gave a sample size of what he's able to do. And I would love to see um, what he's going to do with 16 games to play. Uh, yeah. Not to mention Jimmy Garoppolo. The, the reason this comment came out was because uh, Garoppolo actually did make the top 100 players this season. Um, and a lot of big-name players didn't agree. Jalen Ramsey, former quarterback uh, and Hall of Famer Kurt Warner didn't agree. And not to mention um, Bruce Irvin of the Oakland Raiders didn't agree. So, I mean – I look at it like I guess we'll see if he belongs on that list. If I'm Jimmy Garoppolo, I'm going to go into this next season. I'm going to say, hey, they put me on this list for a reason. It's time for me to shut the doubters up. So it's exactly. something to look yeah, forward to. It's one of those situations where you hear all the noise, you take it, use this fuel, get yourself even higher on that list if you can. You know what I mean? Yes, sir. All right, and – um. Next up, Blake Bortles, uh, a quarterback that me and you, we both, uh, we like to look at film on Blake Bortles and see where he can improve. Blake Bortles made a statement uh, yesterday and stated that the Jaguars, quote, will be in 
the Super Bowl this season. Has Jalen Ramsey gotten in his Kool-Aid or what? Hey, sometimes you got to. And not only that, but you think about it this way. Look at how Blake Bortles played during the playoffs compared to during the season. Yeah, that first game you can look at it as he didn't do much. You know, I understand that. But he kept his cool. He did what he had to do. He did what he could do. And in the end, he got him the victory. Then they go and play Pittsburgh. And if I'm not mistaken, if I'm not mistaken, King Smiley, you can uh, you can vouch for this. Didn't he throw more passes in that game? Oh, he did. And he led and, them to a victory. Yeah, if I'm not mistaken, and you know, a lot of people will say, you know, that's just that's just luck, stuff like that. But um, let's go to the game versus the Patriots, where only one well-timed defended play by Stephon Gilmore saved the Patriots from a loss. I, and I that know, is I, true. And you know, I'm I'm. Let's in Blake Bortles, the way he played that game, it was to me, it was an improvement upon how he usually plays. And I think anybody can say that because we see how he plays during the season. We see how frustrated people get, and he gets in the playoffs when you know it really matters. And everyone was saying, "Oh, the Jaguars aren't ready. They're a young team." They made it to the eight to the championship game. And that is went toe to toe with the big dog of the NFL, and gave them a run for their money. All almost won that game completely. And I'm pulling it up here because I wanted to see if I could pull up the stats from last year. Let's let's look at it like this: championships. So give I'm me time while this. I still talk about Buffalo this. against Buffalo. He threw 23 times. Uh, and only completed 87 yards there for one touchdown. Fast forward a week later, he played Pittsburgh, uh, 26 passes for 214 yards um, and one touchdown. And then you fast forward to New England, 36 passes, 293 yards and one touchdown. Like you said, he improved over three games uh, in a critical role that he needed to fill. Ultimately, I think that playoff game against the Patriots came down to defense. And with Telvin Smith uh, getting injured in that game, uh, it, it kind of took a blow out of that Jaguars defense. I, if I could recall correctly, I believe him and um, – trying to think of his name, linebacker. It's, it's drawing a blank at this point. Miles Jack um, or their Miles line? Jack. There you there go. You. Miles Jack uh, was also injured in that game, so uh, that played a huge role in them not winning that game. But he promises a Super Bowl, so hey, I, I'm interested to see how he's going to make that happen. Go Jags this season. Go. Uh, yeah. I hope that they have a fantastic year. And I, I hope honestly Blake Bortles kicks it into his UCF days. <laughs> Because I remember watching him from his days there, and that guy was a fire for the UCF team. All right. We know what that means. Yes, we do. It yes, is, we do. It is time for the money minute. Oh, man. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. What we got today, man? What we got today? 
All right. You guys remember the rules of the Money Minute. Each one of us will get one minute to discuss our side of the debate. You guys will go on to the comment section of our Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and page on Anchor to let us know who won the debate. So let's get this debate kicked off. Uh, Prodigy, I want you to, you know, choose which one of us go first. You want to go first or me? Uh, I'll go first on this one. I'll go first this time. All right, man. One minute is on the clock. The Rockets believe that the NBA free agency should be held before the NBA draft. How do you feel about it? Ooh, man. Toss up. I'm both sides of the coins on this one. It can be held before the draft purely because you can put your pieces in place and then draft draft the pieces you need after right into where they need to be. It opens up so many more opportunities for you to draft the exact pieces that you need instead of just saying, okay, I don't know who I'm going to get in free agency. So let me just draft the pieces I think that I'm going to need. And then you end up getting those pieces anyway in free agency because you, you course them into coming after all. And now you're stuck with a position that you didn't need because they came. And I'm on the other side of the coin because at the same time, um, you think of it this way, how unfair would it be? Because say, say offseason, a team like, oh, like Golden State or like San Antonio or like Boston. Or like Oklahoma City, they draft, and my minute is passed, let me finish, they draft these pieces, and then all of a sudden, now you can just stack that. That is true. You got a valid point. All right, my minute. All right, let's get it going. I'm going to go ahead and say I agree. I believe that NBA free agency should be before the draft. If you look at the NFL, Uh, The NFL holds their free agency before the NFL draft. That gives them an opportunity to draft specifically, like you said, for what they need. Mm -hmm. Uh, If I'm the Phoenix Suns and we go into free agency and I'm able to convince DeMarcus Cousins to come and play for us, I'm not reluctant enough to to be forced to draft DeAndre Ayton. Yeah. Uh, I can actually go in a number of uh, directions. Who knows? They could have built on their shooting core and perhaps drafted Trey Young number one and got yep. Trey Young to come and play with Devin Booker. So I, I agree with the whole idea of it being before. Uh, I think it changes the whole outcome of uh, the NFL or the NBA draft. So, I mean, that's just something you guys, like I said, y'all go on Facebook and comment underneath and let us know how y'all feel about the whole situation. Um, It's an interesting topic. Nonetheless, we want to hear what you guys have to say about the whole situation and um, just keep us updated. You know, that sound in the background means that that is the end of our show today. Short and sweet, guys. Like I said, y'all send y'all prayers out to Big Herm. Keep him in y'all thoughts. Uh, I know we will. Uh, This is King Smiley. This is the Prodigy. And that's it for the Dagger Entertainment. Y'all go to Facebook at the Dagger Entertainment, Twitter, the Dagger Entertainment, Instagram, the Dagger Entertainment. Mitchell. 
Email us at thedagentertainment at outlook.com. And that is it, y'all. Y'all have a wonderful night. Enjoy your night. Nice.